right, Mark chapter number 1, and we're down into verse 14 and 15, so we're going to introduce uh, kind of this area here, verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, again, if you notice, we're one, chapter 1, verse 14, and John's ministry is over. He's, it's done. And again, that's how Mark is operating here. He's moving along. 14 verses of Mark, and guess what? It's already time for the earthly ministry of the Lord, uh, of, of Christ. Uh, Matthew and Luke take three chapters to cover John's ministry. They, I think it's in like chapter 4, they start the earthly ministry of Christ there with uh, the temptation. Mark doesn't. Mark just moves right along. He immediately just bam, 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 bam. And again, that is the way that uh, uh, Mark operates. He's going to function. Uh, we are not going to just go bam, bam, bam that way. We're going to spend a couple weeks here in uh, verse 14 and 15 because of the significance of it. And the reason for that, come back to the book of Amos. Uh, Amos chapter 8. There, there's a thing here when you think about where we're at. In Mark 1 verse 15, the Lord says, and saying, the time is fulfilled. And so we're going to look this evening at the timing element here because that's going to become very critical. But in Amos 8, Amos is one of the minor prophets. Um, he, he is uh, going to give here a history of the nation of Israel, uh, as uh, just as Moses does in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, Amos does the same thing. I told you Amos uh, 8, flip back to chapter 4 just real quick. And what Amos is going to do is he is going to give a synopsis history for the nation of Israel as a whole. And he's going to tell them what's going to happen. If in Leviticus 26, those five courses, I think we weren't here last week, but the last time we kind of looked at them quickly. And if you obey the word, you get the blessings, everything's good. But if you don't, the curses are coming. And in Amos 4, if you just start, we'll start in verse 1. Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountains of Samaria which oppresses the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, drink, uh, bring and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that lo, the day shall come upon you, that he will take, away you, uh, uh, take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and, he shall, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgressions and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings for this liken you. O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. Now, who's in Bethel? Who's in Samaria? He's talking about the ten northern tribes. They've been carried away by Syria, the Assyrians in Syria there, and they're, they're in that north. Now watch verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your palaces, I'm sorry, places, 
yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And what he's literally going to do now in verse 6, there is the first cycle of Leviticus 26. Verse 7 is the second cycle. Verse 9 is the third cycle. Verse 10 is the fourth cycle. And the fifth cycle there in Leviticus 26 is in verse 11 through uh, the end of the chapter there. Do you see how quickly the five courses fell on those northern ten tribes? Didn't take years. It was bam, 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 bam. Now, Judah, okay, he's going to look at them and he's going to say, Hey, you, Judah, do you see what your sister's doing? Don't you do it. And when you come back over to, uh, and he's going to, I mean, he, Amos is, I, I want you to just see how quickly Amos moves. Uh, come back over to chapter 8 now. So when you come into Amos, there's some things happening here that when John the Baptist shows up and the Lord shows up, brings some things to a conclusion as they now are going to begin to preach about the, king, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 11, 8, 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Now, if there's a famine, that means they're not doing the commandments. Okay, no matter what the famine is, because it takes various forms. Now watch, a, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. They're in, they're, this is before they go into captivity. And he tells them there's going to be a famine of the word of God. You're going to be looking for it and you can't find it. I'm done talking to you. During the during the captivity, there's no communication from God. It lasts 400 so years. And it's 400 years of silence. That's, why, that's when he goes, come, come over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 30. That's when he goes to I, the writing prophets come in. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi. All of those, the writing prophets are there. In the land, Israel's still in the land. They're going to be moved into captivity. If you look there at Isaiah 30, look at verse 8. Isaiah 30 and verse 8. A great verse on inspiration, but also a great word on preservation. 30 verse 8. Now go, write it in a table before them. I'm sorry, go, go, now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. They're going to go right down. You, Isaiah, you go write down what I told you to write down, and it's going to be there for how long? Forever. It's for that future generation that's coming along and for the next one and the next one and the next one. And it's just going to move on all the way out. 
and it's going to go all the way, if you look across the page there to chapter 29 and verse 18, and in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Their meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. He's talking about the kingdom. And in that day of the kingdom, notice what the blinds, the blind, the, uh, the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity. Now, in the kingdom, what's going to be there? The book. Okay? So when, when, the, when we come back here to Mark 1, and he says, hey, <laughs> verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You have to remember, there's been 400 years of silence. No communication all of a sudden, the angel shows up to John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias, uh, Zacharias there in Luke 1. We see that. Could you imagine? You haven't heard a word from the heavens. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and says, hey, <laughs> you're going to have a kid. Huh? No wonder he feared him. Now, John the Baptist is in prison. Now, verse 15, and saying, so the Lord came into Galilee. He's preaching. You always have to remember Luke 8, 1 and 2, preaching and showing the kingdom. He preached first, and then he does the other to show, to demonstrate. Why? Because the Jews require a sign. They have to see this. The Greeks seek after wisdom. They don't need that. They, the Jews need Psalms back there. He says, we don't, where's our signs at? Show us a sign. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So there's, a, there's some things that are happening here. First of all, the silence is over. Why? Because now the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There's the word. He's now going to begin to speak. And there's something here in verse 15 as we get going here in Mark. As we, and we've done this in Matthew. We did it in Luke and John as well. And that is that issue of the time is fulfilled. Uh, come over here to Galatians chapter 4. And, and I do this realizing that we have done a lot of this in the past studies, but we're in Mark, and we'll do it here for Mark so that anyone who's watching the videos and stuff, they'll get it. You know, I can't, Luke and, uh, isn't online yet. We're going to start Luke uh, when we get back after the summer. We'll probably start Luke on Sunday night so I can get it, I want to get the video done for the YouTube. But uh, anyway, Galatians 4, look at verse 4. When the, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Paul, same thing here. Full, when the fullness of the time was come, everything that needed to be accomplished was there. The seed, the woman, the law, all of it. It's right there. The timing is right there. The, so there is a time schedule that is predicting the birth of Christ, of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in his birth. That same time schedule has now a part of his crucifixion and then his return. And when you come back to Matthew 21, 
And when we, we need to understand and have in our frame of reference the time schedule. Because when you do this, it's a part of the it's a part of prophecy, but it's part of the preaching of the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's the gospel. It's the part of the repent and we baptize for the remission of sin. All of that that was never taught before. It's time. Now we're going to teach it. So after John the Baptist is is gone, he's off the scene. He's sent by the Father, okay? What did Israel do to him? Uh, ultimately, Herod beheads him, kills him. So they reject the, the, the one, the Father, the, the picture of the Father, that's John the Baptist. Now the Son comes. What are they going to do to him? They're going to kill him. They're going to reject the Son. And then when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2, by the time you get to chapter 7, what are they doing with him? They're stoning Stephen, who is, again, the type of the Holy Spirit. So you've got, but, but all of that is happening on a time schedule. It isn't just willy-nilly thrown out there to, oh, I think this is great, let's do this now, okay? If you look here at Matthew 21, if you look at verse 33, a passage we spent time in, hear another parable. There was a certain householder, and again, hear another parable. You have to remember, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's beginning to, he started in Matthew 13 teaching in parables. Why? Because in chapter 11 and 12, what did Israel do? They rejected him. They rejected him. In chapter 12, he's the greater prophet, the priest, and the king, and they rejected him. So in 13, what's he do? I'm going to start speaking in parables, not for the nation out there, but for that little flock so they could understand what was going on. Three, so the Lord is withdrawing from Israel from that massive... Three times he tells them, don't go tell, tell, don't go tell anyone who I am. All right, 15, 16, 17, right in there. Three times. Before that, he's like, tell everybody who am I. Hey, Peter, who, who do they think I am? Who do, and now he's like, no, don't. Why? Because they've rejected him. And, and there's a timing issue that's here. Here another parable. The, 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 the parables here, by the way, the parables are designed to teach the little flock why there's a delay in the kingdom coming. And then what's going to happen in that delay. Because they thought the kingdom was coming right now. He's here. Let's get it. And the Lord's like, no, there's a householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandman and went into a far country. Now, think about that. Isaiah 5. I, I, I'm not going to put it on the board. He planted a vineyard. There's the nation of Israel. He hedged about it. He protected it. He, he put up a hedge around it. It's, they're his people. He, he uh, digged the wine press in it. If you're digging a wine press, what are you looking for? Fruit. Off of the vineyard. You're looking for fruit. No, notice he, he, he built a tower. A tower in Scripture is a religious center. The Psalms says, the Lord, my, our tower 
what did, well, what did he give Israel? The only religion God ever gave Israel. Gave them the, the, the law. He lent it out to husbandmen, the leaders of Israel. The leaders were the masters. They were to be teaching and bringing the people along and doing. But where did he go? He went to, into a far country. Why? Well, they're, they, they're off in the fifth course of judgment. They've rejected him. He's, he's gone. You, you, you see, there's timing here. Verse 34, and when the time of the fruit drew new. See, the time, the time in, is fulfilled. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And again, the husbandmen are the leaders. So here comes his servants, little flock. Here they come. Here come the prophets. Here come all of the, all, you know, all of the believing element in Israel. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. What'd they do? They, who are, you know, what school did you go to? You're not part of our group. Who do you think you are? He, they did it to Peter. They did it to the Lord. They do it to Paul. Who do you, the religious center there? So what they do? They beat them. They killed them. And again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what they do? Verse 38. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him. Look at what they did. They kill him. They, they're going to seize the kingdom. They're, they are rebelling. They're apostate. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. There's Calvary. And when the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto these husbandmen? Whoa, he's going to do what? He's going to return. So what do you have? You have Israel here, right? They're on a timeline, and they're killing the servants, right? The Lord says, that's okay. We're going to be quiet now, 400 years silence. Nothing's going to... We'll have the writing prophets, Elijah, Elisha. We're not writing prophets. They just spoke, okay? Solomon... Those guys back there, what did they do? They just spoke. They didn't write. Other people wrote stuff down. But they're killing the servants. Then John the Baptist shows up. What are they going to do to him? They're going to kill him. But when John the Baptist showed up, what's he preaching? Repentance. Repent for the what's at hand. The kingdom is at hand. We have a time marker. Remember when we looked back there with John up until John, they just the law and the prophets with John now, everybody's pressing into the kingdom. And he introduces that issue of water baptism for the repent for the remissions of sin. And now we begin as that door, and now we're going to begin to have that little flock begin to be formed, that believing remnant. That door in is through John's baptism. 
Then you have the Lord Jesus Christ show up and the 12 apostles. And where are we at now? Then Now we're at Calvary because they killed him, verse 37. I'm sorry, verse 39. We're going to have some time go by. And then we're going to have the 70th week of Daniel. We'll get over here to this in a minute. And what's going to happen? He's going to come back. Look at verse 40, 40, 40 there. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will the men do? Well, what happens? Well, he's, he's buried, ascends up, comes back down, the, sends the Holy Spirit back down, and he's sitting, right, till he makes his enemy's footstool. Acts chapter 7, he's standing, right? He's, what's he doing? Time to come back. It's all on a time schedule. Nothing is in this is just haphazardly done. By the way, what will he do to those husbandmen? Verse 40, that's a great question. They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. What, these guys are out here bringing in this apostate nation you got to come out, get in, got to come out, get in. And he says, hey, there, verse 42, Jesus said unto them, did you never read in the Scripture? Boy, that is their problem. They don't read the Scriptures. The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner, and this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. They didn't get the Scripture. They don't read they don't understand this. By the way, notice it says there the, the stone. That's his first coming. What is it going to become? The head. That's Daniel 2, 44 and 45 when, those, when that stone cut without hands comes and smashes down that, uh, the vision of Nebuchadnezzar, the image there. And that image is all of the, the Gentile nations. There he comes. He's there. By the way, don't let me forget Luke 16, okay? <laughs> All right, we'll get over there in just a second. Verse 43, Therefore say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation. Who's that going to be? That's going to be that little flock, not, not nations, not a nation as in a Gentile nation. Gentile doesn't mean a nation. It means nations, plural. A nation, Luke, I have to have written by that verse, Luke 12, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 44, And whosoever shall fall on, the, on this stone shall be broken. We got another stone, don't we? It's the same one, but now it's in what? Judgment. Coming over here, second coming. See how Matthew 22, we just, we're on a time, we're on a walk through time. But on whomsoever, uh, whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. You know what? In the end, they got it. Verse 46 but when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. You know what he did? When they looked at this, they said, you know what? He's talking about us. 
but we can't touch him yet. The Lord, oh, there are several times, he says, it's not my hour yet. It's not my hour yet. It's not time for me to die yet. Then all of a sudden, John 19, eh, it's my time. <laughs> time for me to die. That's what's going on. And again, verse 37 there, they're going to reverence his son. That's where we're at in Mark chapter 1 now. And there's a timing sequence here. Now, uh, on your way back to Mark, go to Luke 16. Luke 16. Okay, Luke 16. And it's not Luke 16, I'm sorry, it's Luke 13, I think. <laughs> yeah, Luke 13, I'm sorry. This should be 13. I made a mistake today. Look at that. First one all day. Actually, it's the second one. The first one was I got up this morning. What is Luke 13? Look at Luke 13. And Luke 13 there, verse 6, he, al he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold these, how long? Three years. There's the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree. Fig, what is the fig tree a picture of? Do you remember? J Judges 9 there, those, those uh, four trees in Israel's history. And the religious life, exactly. Hey, I've come looking for fruit. I've been out here three years. There's been no fruit. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone, what? One year. Let me have one year with it. Let me dung about it. Let me dig about it and dung it. And if it be fruit, bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt, what? Cut it down. When Stephen looks up and sees him standing in Acts 7, that's exactly a year. And when he sees him standing all through the prophets back here, when the Lord stands, it's to judge. It's to shake the earth. It's to come back in what is called the day of the Lord, that day. Now, you're in Luke. Look over at Luke 19. Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. So we got the year and the Acts period. There's the year. This year, when we look over in Daniel 9 here in a minute, that year doesn't exist in Daniel 9 because the Lord did this in the moment. Okay? Daniel is going to look right over it and look over here to these. Okay? Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and put the 70th week there. Look at Luke 19. <clears throat> the Lord in Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled. It's time. He, and he's saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Hey, it's time. Let's get on with it. Psalms, or, I'm sorry, Luke 19, uh, verse 28. Luke 19.28. Uh, this is what is called the triumphal entry passage, and it's not so. Just, you know, that's what Schofield has a little note there, so everybody does it. Verse 28, 
And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem to die. That's where he's going. Verse 35. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the, at, the, the, uh, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they're going to quote... Psalms 118. Now, on your way on your way to Psalms 118, stop back there in Matthew 21 because I didn't I failed to point this out in Matthew 21. In Matthew 21 verse 42 when he's quoting the script he when he says there don't didn't you read the script did ye never read the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected the same has become the head of the corner this is the lord's doing that that's a pull out of psalms 118 so go back to psalms 118 long way to say that but that's where we're at Look at Psalms 118. And this is important because what's the Lord doing? Hey, the time is fulfilled. It's time to get on with this. And this is exactly what the prophets back there, the psalmist, is going to say. Psalms 118, look at verse 21. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. And that's going to be the issue here. The stone which the builders refused has become the head stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. There's Matthew 21. Okay? This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, we all know that one. The problem is, is it's not talking about today. It's talking about the day when the stone is made the head. And then a future event. Save now, I beseech thee. He's talking about the day of the Lord. This is the day. He's talking about the day of the Lord. It's about a time schedule when something's going to happen. And it's that, that's provided by the Lord. The, this is the Lord's doing. He's doing this. Verse 29, 25. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. There's Luke 19. There's Matthew 21. Go back to Luke 19. There's Luke and Matthew being fulfilled. There he sits. Luke 19, 40. Uh, 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. He's beginning his ministry, and what does he say? The time's fulfilled. Everything's ready to go. 
I'm here. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm here. It's time to get started. So he goes in and he looks at the city and he weeps over it. Now watch verse 42. Saying, if thou hadst known even thou at least in this, notice, thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. He looks at Jerusalem and he says, this is your day too. This is the day that I set up to come back, but this should have been your day of praise and peace and prosperity. But you know what? You rejected that. So guess what? It's been hid from you. Verse 43, For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground. I love the way that the scripture describes killing people. Just lay them even. It sounds like an old Clint Eastwood movie or something. I'm going to lay you even with the ground, boy. <laughs> you know? He just, boom. And thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not, now watch, the time of thy visitation. See, the timing element. He says, listen, I'm here. This should have been your day, but you rejected me. Now it's the time of your vis the visitation. Again, he skips this because that hasn't been described yet. He goes right to there. And the reason he does that is because of Daniel chapter 9. Come back with me to Daniel chapter 9. There's a prophetic clock. There's a specific time element going on. And that, has to, and that specific time in the prophetic clock when the gospel of the kingdom of God was to be preached, and it's here now, and the timing is right now. It isn't going to be next week. It isn't going to be two years, five years, ten years. It's right now. You follow? Okay? And that's because of Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel 9, this is where, this is the time schedule that the Lord is working on. Again, he hasn't done this part yet. That hasn't been said yet, all right? That hasn't even been begun to deal with it. Actually, he deals with the Acts period in, in the Gospel of John in the upper room. He says, the nobleman's going to go away, and you're going to occupy while he's gone. In those parables, hey, I'm leaving. This is why there's a delay in this kingdom coming, and, the, and here's what you're going to be doing. You're going you're gonna to have a ministry right here. And when you read Acts, Peter does not act like something new started in Acts. He acts like some, it's just a carrying on of everything that was coming out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know guys like to think something new started in Acts, but in Peter's mind, it doesn't. It just moves along. Now, in Acts 9, when the Lord, he's standing, so he reaches down and saves the apostle Paul and then drops in the body of Christ here in the mystery program. It's sloppy because my chalk keeps moving. 
and he writes in the mystery program and the issues of grace and the dispensation of grace. And when he does that, now we got something new. But, but Peter, it's fascinating to me. Peter, Acts 15, they acknowledged the message given to the Apostle Paul as being separate and distinct for the Gentiles. You've got grace believers that struggle with that. They think it's just a con- Paul continued on. No way. Peter said, hey, we didn't do this. God's doing that over there. Go, and we're with you. Anyway, Daniel 9. When you come to Daniel, Daniel 9 is a critical passage on the issue of understanding the time schedule. And again, this is the time schedule that God's using uh, in the fifth course of judgment. And it's critically important because it fits right where we're at in Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the year of the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel knows something. He has learned from Jeremiah. He has learned from 2 Chronicles 7. He's learned over there from all of that, all of the book, everything that's written there, that they're going to be in captivity. The, Nebuch- the Babylonian captivity is going to go 70 years. So what does he do? And I set my face upon the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have, notice he doesn't say I have sinned, he says we. Daniel does exactly what Leviticus 26 says they have to do, and that is a national confession of their sins. What's John the Baptist doing? Matthew 3, he's out there, the whole nation has come out to him on, down in Jordan River, down there. He's outside. He's in the wilderness. They've all come confessing their sins and being baptized of John. It's exactly what Leviticus 26 says. It's exactly where Daniel thinks he is. And so, you, you, you know, you just, verse 5, we, look at verse 10. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and the prophets. Yea, all Israel has transgressed thy law, even by departure. See that issue of this, a national deal here. This isn't individual. Now, I know individuals make up it, but God doesn't deal with the individual this way. He deals with the individual on the basis of faith. But he looks at that nation and says, you want to get out from underneath this stuff, You've got to do it as a nation. And that's because of Deuteronomy 4 and other things that he said there. Now, verse 12. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. Guess what he's talking about? Leviticus 26. That's where he's talking Daniel knows what's going on. He knows God will restore them if they do what God told them to do. Verse 20. 
And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Daniel's down, claiming Leviticus 26, verse 39, 40, 41 down there, and Gabriel shows up and says, no, 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 not so fast. Slow down, dude. Verse 22, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish. And there's six things that have to get finished to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. The first three are negative. They have to end. These three are spiritual issues, by the way. They gotta, it's, those, are, those are issues that have to be taken care of. They have to be born again. They have to have the new covenant. Then he says, now we've got to have the, ne- the, the next three are all positive. And to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. We're going to bring in righteousness. There's the kingdom. We're going to seal up... Uh, uh, the vision and prophecy. There's the fulfilling of the prophecy. We're going to anoint the holy, most holy one. There's the Messiah, putting him where he belongs. So the first three all are going to take care of their spiritual problems, and then the, the next three are going to come along and cause... When, by the way, when he takes care of their spiritual problems, that enables God to use them to take care of the, the, those back three things about the kingdom and fulfilling prophecy, and putting the Messiah on the throne. But before all, so basically what he's telling Daniel here is, yes, Daniel, you're right, 70 years took care of the land, got the land Sabbath back, purified the land, but the people are dirty. That's what verse 24 is so critical. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. The people are dirty, And it's going to take 70 weeks of years, 490, okay, to get them clean. And this is how it's going to work out. 65, verse 25. Now, therefore, understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build, notice, Jerusalem, not the wall, not the temple, but Jerusalem. That's Nehemiah chapter number 2 in the first eight verses. So the going forth to build the city to the cutting off of the Messiah. Okay? Unto the Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks. So there's going to be seven weeks. And then there's going to be 62 weeks. So we have a total of 69 weeks to the cutting off of the Messiah. And that's Calvary, 69 weeks. And there's movement here. 
All right? There's timing. Actually, I, I did this over too far. I did it again. I should have stayed home. The cut, okay, till, the, till, till, till right there. Verse 25. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troubles. And after threescore and two weeks shall what happen? Messiah be... Okay, remember we were reading a minute ago in Luke there, the triumphal entry? There's the end of it right there. That event where he goes into Jerusalem on, that, on the colt, the foal of the ass there, is on day number nine on their calendar. Because what were they going to do? The 14th, they're going to kill him, Right? The 10th through the 13th, what do they do to that lamb? The 9th, they pull him out, and then they watch him, and then on the 14th, they kill him. He's on his way in. After that, Isaiah 53, cutting off of the Messiah, is Calvary. You follow that? Okay, a little more specific. When he looks at them... Go back to Luke. Um, um, by the way, verse 27, verse 26, and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And so there's, there's going to be a lot of time happen. There's some events that are supposed to happen between here and the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. There's wars and rumors of war. There's a whole bunch of stuff going to happen. Watch verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause a... And that's talking about the 70th week of Daniel. We call it the tribulation. You got seven years. You got three and a half years and three and a half years, 42 months, 42 months, 1,260 days, 1,260 days. And you got all of that going on there, the number-wise. We call it the tribulation. All of this is tribulation, okay, except for us. <laughs> and actually, we live in the present suffering time. so, But it's specifically the 70th week of Daniel. Now go back to Luke 19. Luke 19. I know we haven't been back to Mark 1 yet. We'll get right back there in just a minute. Luke 19. In Luke 19, 42, saying, If thou had known even thou at least, at least in this, Thy day, the things which belong unto thy, notice, peace. This is the day, right before Calvary, that he's talking about. That day, when he came in on that, that colt, the foal of the ass there, that, that, those events are literally right on that 483 years right there. By the way, a year in prophecy is 360 days. Okay? That's, it. That's what a year consists of. Now watch verse 43. For the days shall come upon thee, and that thine enemies shall... There is... I, well, I'm sorry, we didn't finish verse 42. The things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Why were they hid? Unbelief. 
They rejected the Messiah. Because what are they going to do? They're going to drag him down there, and they're going to kill him. He comes in. He's got that week there. By the way, we call this Palm Sunday in the religious calendar. Passover is usually the next Sunday. Easter, okay, on the religious calendar, all right? And what are they going to do? They, had, they still, they were distracted. Here is the lamb, and they're over here looking in their pen trying to find a lamb. And there he was, the fulfillment of their Passover, their issues that they needed squared away. Verse 44, the end of that verse, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He's talking about Jerusalem and Israel. They miss the Messiah being there. You didn't know, so guess what's coming? Judgment. And that's Daniel 9, verse 26 back over there, where he talks about, hey, after the Messiah's cut off, and then we got wars and rumors of wars, and we've got trouble coming, desolation. You're going to have uh, the end there, there. I'm in Daniel 9, 26. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and under the end of the war, desolations are determined. I mean, it's just going to be miserable. And you guys could have had this happen. You could have been there. You could have paid attention to what was going on, but you didn't. You missed it. So guess what? I said it Sunday. Cut him off at the knees and call him Shorty. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me, where'd you do? Go back to Mark 1. I said, dude, I heard that all my life growing up. And as I get older, the more and more of my dad's little sayings are coming out of me. <laughs> so come back to Mark 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. When he says... Verse 14, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, what? what's he saying? The time is fulfilled and, notice the and, and. We're right here where the timing is. By the way, this is how they understood. Sir Robert Anderson in, in one of his books um, I can't remember the name. I have to find it. This is off the top of my head. The 69 years, or okay, this time period here, 483 years. The day, the date that he came down off that hill on the back end of that donkey on the, on the, on the 10th, not the 9th, is literally... 483 years from the going from Nehemiah 2. He figured it out. Others in the 20th century have done the same, okay? They figured it was right on, it was right on time. That's why the timing is so critical. If they had been paying attention to Scripture, guess what they had known? There he is. By the way, you remember in Luke, there's a lady in the temple waiting to see Anna. Simon or Simeon is there waiting to see. Mary 
when Mary's visited, she's not, she's not really surprised too much. She's got a little, little, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, but then she sings all of that great praise and psalms. Well, how does, how does that happen? They know what's going on. The Bible believer is paying attention. There were people, the wise men, they're in Babylon. They are looking for his star. Now, how did they get that? By a man named Daniel and the scriptures. They are understanding the time element. So Daniel 9 is fundamental. Now, again, Daniel, Daniel doesn't see the Acts period nor the body of Christ. He's looking straight across. The Lord comes in and says, there's going to be a year, we're going to do this. Then he shows mercy and long-suffering to Paul, and he starts the church, the body of Christ. We're going to be taken out, presented to the Father, and he's going to come on down and finish the story okay a specific time schedule and prophecy and it's in connection with the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom and that's the and in verse 15 the kingdom of god is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel so in mark 1:15, the time's fulfilled it's time for him to begin to preach the gospel of the kingdom, repent, believe it, the kingdom is at hand. Mark says, it's time to get on with it. And so the whole of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is a part of prophecy. It's a part of the prophetic program. In Hebrews Nine, he talks about the test, testament doesn't go into enforce until after the death of the testator. So the new covenant, the new testament, doesn't start in Matthew 1. It starts really a little later in Matthew, down in back chapter 28, <laughs> where he's resurrected. So you got all of that, inf- and Mark's the same way, Luke's the same The last couple chapters of each of the Gospels deals with the resurrection. So you've got Old Testament ground here. Then you've got a little bit of New Testament ground. Then you have an interruption. After the interruption, you're going to go back to the New Testament ground. See, everybody thinks, well, we're in the New Testament. No. The Testament, the covenants belong to Israel. You and I are an interruption in it. Set blindness in part. Boom, interrupted that. So the 70th week... The 70 weeks of Daniel, it's critical here. And Mark starts with the Lord saying, the time is fulfilled. When you come back to Matthew 4, and we'll be done here, Matthew 4. Matthew 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving he, uh, Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim, that it might be fulfilled. See, it doesn't say he said it, the time's fulfilled. He's just doing activity that does what? Fulfills it. Mark says 
He said it. And the reason is, is because the servant needs the directions from the master. And the servant is always listening for the master to speak, and the Lord says, boom. So it's critical to understand the time schedule and really where kind of everything fits. And I kind of did it kind of hokey and backwards, but I think you get the, the idea, okay? Now, we're going to go back here into chapter, in verse 15 and 14, 14 and 15 of Mark 1, and catch the gospel of the kingdom and the kingdom of God and, and so forth, and uh, make sure we're, we have all of that cl clear in our thinking. That's the goal. Whether we get there or not, who knows, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the study of it, and we thank you for everything that we have in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen.